to Nathan Out Loud. I'm your host, Nathan Trainer. Thank you for listening to Nathan Out Loud. You can follow this podcast on my website, NathanOutloud.com. You can also find me on Twitter at NathanOutloud. And please email your comments and suggestions to me at comments at NathanOutloud.com. On this episode of Nathan Out Loud, we're going to continue the conversation from Episode 7 about the current work to repeal the discriminatory Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. We'll interview my close friend, hero, and true American hero, retired Marine Staff Sergeant Eric Alva. Eric was born in San Antonio, Texas in December of 1970. Upon graduation from high school in 1989, he attended community college for two semesters, but then decided to join the United States Marine Corps. After serving in Somalia during Operation Restore Hope and being stationed in Japan and California for 10 years, Alva was called upon to serve in the Iraq War. In January 2003, in the build-up to the war, Alva's unit, the 3rd Battalion, 7th Marines, was deployed to the Middle East. His unit was among the first to cross the border of Kuwait into Iraq for the start of Operation Iraqi Freedom. Three hours into the ground war, his unit stopped to rest near the city of Basra. While stepping out of his vehicle, Alva triggered a landmine. The violent explosion threw him 15 feet from the vehicle and left him with a broken left leg, a broken right arm that was torn open and had severe nerve damage, and a badly injured right leg that was later amputated. He became the first American wounded in the war and the war's first Purple Heart recipient. After 13 years of military service, Alva retired as a staff sergeant and went back to college to finish, finish his degree. While at school, he decided to be true to himself and help others, and came out as gay. In February of 2007, he joined Representative Martin Meehan of Massachusetts in introducing the Military Readiness Enhancement Act, a bill designed to repeal the military's Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. With this step, he admitted to the military and the world that he is a gay man, and one who had served and proudly sacrificed for the country. Alva took a courageous step toward fighting for the rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender Americans, and in particular, for those who have served and are serving in the military, but who are unable to be true to themselves. His goal is to help to achieve civil rights for all citizens of the United States. Alva is the national spokesperson for the Human Rights Campaign's fight to repeal the military's discriminatory LGBT policy. Since coming out, he has been featured on Good Morning America, Anderson Cooper 360, Live with Paula Zahn, Newsweek, USA Today, and numerous other newspaper and radio stations across the country. Alva recently graduated with his master's degree in social work from Our Lady of the Lake University in San Antonio, where he lives with his partner Daryl and their two dogs, Champ and Bo. He hopes to pursue a career working with diverse groups and continuing to work toward social justice. Now here's my interview with retired Staff Sergeant Eric Alva. Thank you, Eric, for joining me today on Nathan Out Loud. In the last episode, I discussed the latest developments on legislation to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And we will get to that more in a minute. Uh, But first, for the listeners who may not have heard your story, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, As I mentioned, you are a Staff Sergeant in the Marines, correct? Correct. How long did you serve in the Marines? Uh, 13 years total. Wow. And... You um, served in both wars in Iraq, is that right? No, I, I, uh, I actually joined the military or went off to boot camp in 1991 when uh, the first war was going off, uh, going on. 
which was up um, Desert Storm. So I was in boot camp when that was already like, you know, starting and finishing because it was so short. But right. um, this war was my first time in the Middle East. But I also served in Somalia during Operation Restore Hope, which most people familiarize that with uh, Black Hawk Down. Right, right. Okay. And um, you actually were the first U.S. service member to be injured in Iraq. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, it was after, uh, as most people in the country remember, um, we uh, we bombed Baghdad the night before, which was known as which which became known as Shock and Awe. So on the Kuwaiti side, where we uh, were still on the Kuwaiti side, uh, side of the Iraqi border, we could see a lot of the artillery missiles going over, and we could hear them and you know, landing and stuff. But the next morning when, when daylight broke, I was on one of the first waves uh, of ground troops into the country, which was March 21st, uh, which um, which uh, was with part of 1st Marine Division. So uh, we were headed towards the city of Basra, and I hadn't been in the country no more than three hours when we actually stopped, and we were regrouping and, and you know, making sure our weapons were working and functioning before we entered the city because we didn't know what kind of uh, resistance we were going to encounter. So... Um, as um, as we were in this position, uh, it was a province called Azubair, and, and um, I had gotten out of my vehicle a third time, and uh, while uh, warming up my MRE, I actually stepped on a landmine, um, and 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 then another combat medic who was running to help me or help people help me actually set off another landmine. So twelve people got injured in that one little episode, um, myself being the most severely injured, and then the corpsman actually losing his leg as well. Um, we both lost our legs, and then um, uh, I had severe nerve damage to my right arm. My left leg was broken real bad as well. Um, and, so, and, and currently, presently, to this day, I still have uh, um, 27 pieces of shrapnel in me and stuff. But um, I had, I had the, the, the dubious honor of being the first American injured in the Iraq War um, once it started. So um, that's how I, I've come to have such a notoriety, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's... Um... That's, you know, like you say, a, a dubious honor. But um, so after you were injured, you were flown out of the country. Where where did you where did you go from there? I went to uh, Longstow, Germany. Uh, um, I went to Longstow, Germany, stayed there for 10 days. And uh, um, I had to my wounds had to be sustained or whatever before they I could be flown back to the States. And actually, I was um, um, actually I was. Uh, flown to the National Naval Medical Center, Bethesda, and then that's when people, after a few weeks, people started coming to visit me, like uh, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld, uh, the president with uh, with Laura Bush herself came mm-hmm. to my room and stood by my bedside, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Michael Jordan, then there were celebrities, Michael Jordan, Sheryl Crow, mm-hmm. um, tons of, uh, of past generals who were commandants of the Marine Corps, several members of Congress and and you know, senators, things like that, and Congress people. Um, so it, it was, you know, it was it was the Boston Post. Everybody wanted my attention from there. I actually went from, you know, Walter Reed for a week where I met um, Jessica Lynch's parents. Jessica Lynch was a female who got taken prisoner of war the second day of the war, third mm-hmm. day. Um, and then from there I was flown home because we have a military hospital. Uh, and so um, I've, and that's where I just pretty much recovered and for like the next, several, several months and everything before I actually was let go in August and everything and then went to live with my twin sister. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, you know, just 
thinking, you know, thinking back, you're uh, obviously a, a gay service member. And with the don't ask, don't tell policy, um, you know, you're being visited by the president, uh, the secretary of defense, you know, and, and things like that. What was that like knowing that um, with the don't ask, don't tell policy that, uh, you know, if anything were to to happen in terms of somebody uh, deciding to to move forward on, on implementing donut or you know applying donuts don't tell to you, um, what was that like in terms of meeting all of these heads of state really and and worrying about what your future might hold if you were to be outed by somebody? Well, at that time, and most people ask, you know, like, uh, why didn't you tell the president you were gay? Or some people say, uh, you know, um, did you know you were gay at the time? And, you know, people ask me several questions when all those people who were, you know, sort of higher up in the, the government, you know. Um, you know, at that time, the same time when I went into war, I wasn't actually thinking about myself being gay or I wasn't thinking about myself or the thoughts of serving under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Because as, as military people serving in the military, we... We have a job to do. We have a mission. Some of us are in charge of troops or some of us, it doesn't matter. All of us have jobs to do. Uh, some of us may have just entered the military or, and, or the ground troops and can be, you know, your, your best knife or whatever. But everybody has a job to do. So meeting the president, meeting, you know, the first lady, meeting, you know, um, Nancy Pelosi and other people, Donald Rumsfeld. The thought of even serving under Donald Hotel or even me being gay or like, oh, God, I hope they don't find out I'm gay. Um, never really popped into my head. I mean, my whole my whole thought process was just, you know, recovering, getting through um, a life-changing, tragic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, really, and me being gay didn't come out till like, you know, probably, um, you know, a couple of years later. I mean, I, mean, I knew I was gay already, but it, it didn't happen. You know, this was 2003, and it didn't come out till about 2000, or 2004 was a year later when actually um, when I met my partner, my then-now partner, um, at the time, he wasn't my partner, but how we met and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and it was there that, that, you know, before I got discharged or retired from the military, then, then, then you know, of course, I had already um, uh, met Daryl. And then Daryl and I had started dating right a month before I was um, discharged. So, it, it, you know, all that time in the hospital, people often ask, like, 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 you know, why didn't you tell the president you were gay? <laughs> it didn't really matter at that time. I wasn't thinking about me being gay. It was just about me surviving or getting through my, my injuries. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point there. Um, you know, kind of wit that uh even proves even further how horrible this policy is is that the gay and lesbian, you know, service members aren't like that's not that doesn't make up who they are. First, they're service members, they're serving our country, they have a job to do, and who they love, who they decide to spend their life with shouldn't matter. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that with the latest developments around Don't Ask, Don't Tell and, you know, the latest poll numbers that we're seeing, you know, upwards of 75 percent of Americans uh, agree that it, that it's a failed policy. Um, so you mentioned you met Daryl uh, and 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 came out about a, a month before you were retired. Um, was that basically the starting of your coming out story or had you come out to family and friends before that or uh where where did that fall in line well i actually came out to my my mom while i was in the military in 1996 i was only uh 25 at the time uh my my sister and my other sister knew uh my father didn't know my father didn't know at all and he mm-hmm. was a vietnam veteran 
um, I was just too intimidated by his the culture of Hispanic, you know, Roman Catholic, and then Vietnam veteran because I come from a military family. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I met Darren. We were friends first and everything. And then when he came to visit in, in May of uh, 2004 is when we pretty much knew that we were dating. And, you know, I, I, I liked him and, you know, pretty much started to fall in love with him, of course. And But it was it wasn't until, like, it had just been my one-year anniversary of uh, of um, of uh, being retired or uh, getting injured in the, in the military. So I wasn't out. I didn't get um, discharged till June of 2004. But still, then I wasn't like doing what I'm doing now. I wasn't telling everyone who I was and or anything. And and uh, it wasn't until you know a couple of years later in 2006. And it was because of my meeting Daryl. And and I think um, the way things happen in life, and you know, people say that saying things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just so happens that that um, I mean, it was um, it was it was. Just coincidence and, and fortunate because it was Daryl who got me, you know, on the path of you know where I am now with the human rights campaign and my my activism and, and doing what I do. Yeah, and from what I understand, he basically said, "You need to contact the human rights campaign." <laughs> no, that- well, no, actually, it was um, he actually um, was a member of the human rights campaign since two thousand four, uh-huh. and. Uh, um, he um, actually uh, wanted me to join the human rights campaign after when, you know, we finally moved in together after 15 months of dating. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, you know, I didn't, you know, believe or I didn't even um, like even recognize what the human rights campaign was. And he had his sticker on his car and everything. And he would kept telling me that, you know, let me put a sticker on your car. And I was like, no, I don't want that on my car. And, um, you know, I never really paid attention to it. And what the first observation of me paying attention to um, to things were, when Texas overwhelmingly passed with 74% um, to amend their state constitution banning same-sex marriage. So I started paying attention, or that caught my attention, because I would take offense to all the signs where it had the, the cartoon little graphic of a of a man, and then it had like the plus sign plus a, uh, the cartoon graphic of a woman, and it mm-hmm. had equal marriage. And so I was getting offended and things like that, and, and then listening to people on the radio and newspapers about how they were talking about the sanctity of marriage, and you know, and then... Um, how they were were wanting to uh, limit same-sex couples from ever getting married in this this state. Mm-hmm. So, I, of course, it wasn't until June of 2006 when I finally joined the human rights campaign myself. I just went online, signed up for basic membership, and, and got my sticker in the mail and stuff. And <laughs> and I surprised Daryl because he's like, "Oh!" And, and then, it, of course, um, it wasn't until by you know somewhere in the summer of 2006 where I started paying attention to eight more states who were about to get their state constitutions amendment. Mm-hmm. Same sex marriage, and that was the year that that I think you guys were the only ones who actually defeated that that uh, that initiative um, yeah. out of eight states. Yeah. And um, and so then, of course, that's when I finally um, I was up late one night, and and uh, you know I started thinking because Daryl and I were watching the news, and he said, you know, if you ever want to, you know, if you ever want to do something with your notoriety, you better do it quick. And that's all he said, and I didn't really know what he meant by that. And um, so I, I, he went to bed, and I got on the computer, and it was like 12.30 at night. And I actually emailed. It was about October 13th, I think, I, I, or September 13th, one of those. I don't recall mm-hmm. exactly. And I emailed the Human Rights Campaign and um, told them who I was, told them I met the president, told them I met you know, Rumsfeld, told them that I got injured in the war. I had already been on Oprah. I had already been on in People Magazine. I was the first American injured. Mm-hmm. I said, but the story is, the catch is, nobody knows I'm gay. And I said, if there's anything I could ever do in San Antonio or, you know, volunteer for you guys, you know, then please let me know. Of course, a couple of days go by, and then I finally get a call from uh, Brad Luna, 
mm-hmm. was deputy director of communications at the time, and, and David Smith, who was vice president of planning or something. And we had a conference call, and so they told me, you know, um, um, they were interested in having me work with them if, if I had, you know, the time and stuff. So in December of 2006, I actually um, was flown to D.C. so I could meet different departments of the human rights campaign in D.C., you know, and, and I stayed for a couple of days. And But it wasn't until 2007, after the holidays and everything, where I really found my calling for the human rights campaign. It was where... I was asked to go to D.C. And, and sit alongside Congressman Meehan at the time and introduce the Military Readiness Enhancement Act. Mm-hmm. Um, that was February 28, 2007. So it was there that, that of course, um, that really started this path for me because um, it was there that I announced not just to the, to the country but to the rest of the world, you know, that the first American injured in the Iraq war was the gay marine. So, so my life was never private again or after that. I right. pretty much took a stand on standing up for, for the LGBT you know, population because I don't consider ourselves a community. We are part of the population of this country. And so and ever since then, it's, just, it's, it's been a whirlwind of uh, speaking and, and, you know, and marching and parades and mm-hmm. you know, being grand marshals or, or just you know, uh, dinners and activities and, and uh, open, uh, open talk symposiums. Uh, it's just it's been, a, it's been something that I've enjoyed because... Uh, it brings good education and awareness and, and debate to the, the fact of well, of why people still feel the need as, as their prejudices are better than someone else's that they should reserve the right to have you know um, restricted uh, reserve you know uh, equality as mm-hmm. the same as they are uh, especially for someone like myself who was actually and I hate to use this metaphor but who has actually shed blood for this country for its, its rights and freedoms and, and you know of course you know uh, liberties. So um, I, I knew I just had to take a stand. I knew I had to put myself out there rather than watch life pass me by and, and not have the same, you know, freedoms that I so fought for that we so demonstrate when we go to Iraq or Afghanistan or the rest of the world to tell people that this country is, is united states of America. We are a diverse nation of um, unique people, but, oh, by the way, we don't give them all the same rights, and that's wrong. That's yeah. wrong, and, and I knew I had to take a stand. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you actually uh, were a member of uh, then Senator Obama, now President Obama's um, LGBT steering committee, correct? I was. I was actually um, I was on his LGBT uh, steering committee during his campaign. OK. And I know that, you know, you probably that committee kind of led the, um, you know, creation or, or drove the, the policies dedicated to um, LGBT people. And a big part of um, his campaign was repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh, and just within the last week or so, uh, there's been renewed movement on that legislation. And you were in D.C. Uh, with Representative Patrick Murphy of uh, Pennsylvania to kind of reintroduce the legislation, correct? Yeah. And tell us a little bit about that. I know that there's a a planned tour where some of the service members, um, both gay and straight, are going to be going around the country and having town hall meetings, uh, you know, different things like that. Tell us a little bit about that work. Well, the, the, the tour is called Voices of Honor. It's a repeat uh, from 2007, uh, which was called the Legacy of Service Tour. And actually, we, we made a stop in Phoenix at the time, and I know Phoenix is on our, our uh, uh, calendar to make another stop. What it is is um, every time we hit one of these cities, and, and there's eight cities around the country that we they, we will be doing, 
that um, um, it brings really good press to to the floor of uh, of what we're talking about. Um, it's to promote, of course, the Military Readiness Enhancement Act, which, of course, Congressman Patrick Murphy from Pennsylvania has taken over. Um, I was just on uh, the radio with him the other day, and uh, and he stated as as um, uh, that there's 161 uh, co-sponsors. When we did this two years ago, and, and Martin Meehan was was um, uh, author of the bill, we had only had probably had maybe 128 sponsors around this time once the bill was introduced. So we're we're the momentum is growing, and, and voices and the 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 minds and attitudes are changing to the fact that even. You know, from a, a poll last year with the USA, not USA, exactly, because the Washington Post and ABC poll stated that about 75% of the American people actually uh, favor allowing gay men and women to serve openly in the military. So, so uh, minds are changing, and that, that's what this tour is about: is to to discuss about you know the 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 negativity of what this does to our national security when we continually to kick out people who are qualified men and women in the military. Um, you know, especially people who are Arabic linguists or, or you know, air traffic controllers or, you know, uh, uh, explosive order disposable experts, people who can disarm real-time bombs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think what people are starting to recognize when we go to these cities, it, it brings attention to people who have never really looked into the inside of what Don't Ask, Don't Tell is. Mm-hmm. Not just a policy, but a law. That it's a law in this country that was passed by Congress, you know, almost 16 years ago now that forces people to go to work every day and be dishonest about who they are. Because if not, then they'll be fired and, you know, possibly in prison. And some people are really surprised about that, but that's what happens. I mean, if, if you're, you know, found out that you're gay, you can, you know, depending where you're at and depending on who your command is, they'll put you in the stockade or the break for, you know, overnight or something just for being gay. That, wow. In my eyes, that that's the cruelty and, and that's only part of the cruelty and unjust that we, we have going on with this, this, this you know, uh, failed law. Yeah. Uh, failed policy because also people who go off the deployment have same-sex partners or whatever. The military is not going to call them or, or give them that knock at the door if their other if their loved one is killed in combat. They just don't do that, right? Uh, because of the whole you know the whole perception you know you're not legally married. So I mean there there's things in this country that we're still doing at at a, at a cruel you know uh, um, you know just being cruel and unjust and, and and in my eyes that's that's the oppression that still exists and, and overall discrimination that that I think. You know, from the basis of this, this tour, you know, I mean, it, the country is changing. Uh, we have our first African-American president ever. You know, uh, I think what people need to recognize is that, you know, people should not be punished for who they are, who they love, and where they live, or, you know, even what job they want to do. So I, the tour is really great. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the legislation process can be a long and arduous process. Uh, you know, we, we all realize that we're up against, you know, in spite of 75% of Americans agreeing that uh, this is a failed policy, uh, there's still a long process uh, to actually see the bill through Congress, through Senate, to eventually get to the president's desk where he'll sign it. Um, what do you think um, is the most effective way for people to get involved in and you know, make their voices heard in, in support of this legislation? Um, I tell most people to find out who, of course, <laughs> it, it, you'd be surprised, but I tell most people to find out who their congressional uh, representative is, you know, who their state representative is or who their U.S. senator is, because then to find out, go to their website and to find out where they stand on these issues. One of them is, of course, are they a co-sponsor of the Military Readiness Enhancement Act, which mm-hmm. is H.R. 1283. When um, 
I have a I have a congressman who is a who is a, a strong Democrat who is uh, who who won in a, a, a uh, he well let me rephrase that he's a Democrat in a strong Republican district but he has not signed on to the bill and two years ago he didn't sign on to the bill either um, we we pressure him and pressure him and ask him as a as a as a as an LGBT population of course to have fair minded people in Congress and ask him why he doesn't um, why hasn't he signed on the bill it, and it's a simple question why haven't you co sponsored the bill and he, every time we we question him he um, he changes the subject or he, he'll just he won't return our calls. In my eyes, that's someone who's uh, deferring to the fact of the matter that you know you he's worried about a vote. He's worried about retaining his seat. Mm-hmm. He's worried about what 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 the, you know what uh, 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 another party favors you know to keep his job. Um, you know, and, that, and 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 in my eyes, that's what I tell people. I said, find out what your representative, you know, what views or what stances they have, and things like that. You know, they're not all going to agree on the same thing, but they have to at least be willing to talk about the open discussions. And for someone to avoid answering a question is not being a fair-minded individual. So I I, I, I often ask people, you know, go to your congressman, pressure them to to sign on and co-sponsor a bill, or at least to talk about the issues. I mean, that's these are our our uh, voices in Congress. These are the people. Um, um, you know, um, who we elect. Yeah, we put them there. They're working for us. So, uh, you know, they need to hear our voice. That's definitely uh, great advice. I will put information as to the uh, current co-sponsors of the bill on NathanOutloud.com, as well as a link to a site where you can find out who your representatives are if you don't already know. Uh, and lastly, Eric, let's talk about um, I hear you are writing a book. I am. I am. Uh, I am. Um, I am. I'm signed on with Allison Publishing. Um, I think they're owned by the Advocate Route Magazine. I'm not sure. Don Weiss is my publisher. Uh, the book is. We're working on it throughout the rest of the year, um, and it should be out in the spring. So very uh, exciting. I have. I have the luxury of picking a title, which I haven't. <laughs> what to call it? <laughs> um, so, but it's it, it's going to be a good story. Um, it's going to you know it, it's going to be interesting, and I, I think people will enjoy it. Very good, and I'm. Sure, there'll probably be a, a book tour and different events around that. So we will definitely have you back on the show once the book is uh, coming out and there are more details around that. Yeah, that would be great. Sounds great. Well, thank you very much, Eric. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your service and uh, your very important, very important voice in uh, our quest for equality. So thanks again for being here. Oh, you're welcome. For more information on the Voices of Honor tour, visit hrc.org slash Voices of Honor. Before we go, I want to take a second to thank you for listening and for the incredible encouragement and support you all have given me as we've gotten this project off the ground. I would love to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. And also, if you'd like to be a part of a future episode of Nathan Out Loud, please email me at comments at nathanoutloud.com. I also want to thank my friend, Eric Alva, not only for being part of this episode, but also for his tireless work for equality. As always, thank you, Patrick, for producing the show. Be sure to follow the podcast and find additional information on topics covered in each show at NathanOutloud.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash NathanOutloud. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Nathan Out Loud, and until next time, remember, come out. Be out, live out loud.